So make sure you keep your mic super close. Super close. But don't put it, it in your mouth. Okay. Just like just bite on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. If your tongue isn't rubbing against the pop filter, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 72 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the internet net catcher. Mm. Man. I'm Sam Art. I'm sure I'm the game mechanic. Yeah. And today is November 7, 2016, one day before Election Day, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about very briefly. Uh, and also, warning, anything that happened on this show, there's going to be profanity and stuff. So if you're a child, then stop listening right now. Unless mm-hmm. your name is Max, in which case, shout out to Max. Yeah, Max is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Max. Max is a cool kid. All right, let's talk about the election in the United States that's happening tomorrow, right. which is terrifying. Yeah. So we're not going to take any political stances here, except just don't, don't be, don't be an idiot. Yep. Uh, which is, you know, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Also, do vote, but I guess this is coming out the day after the election. Yes. Do so you I, have voted? I hope mm-hmm. you didn't do an idiot, and I hope you voted. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see now whether or not the country is going to be in shambles uh, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So who knows? I mean, we may we may not even be alive at this, this time. This may be our last airs. podcast. Yeah. This is a time capsule we were planned. Yeah. yeah. You get to hear our last few words. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. Whatever. We'll have more to say about this next week, yeah. uh, assuming we're still around. But also, this, <laughs> this past weekend, we did the Scatter Jam. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So uh, Scatter Jam is a St. Louis game jam format in which people assemble on Friday night, get a theme, and then scatter to the four wins with their teams, and then come back on Thursday. Thursday. I mean, Sunday night. <laughs> feels like Thursday. It feels like Thursday, but two days later uh, on Sunday night to demo their games and show them off. So it's called the Scatter Jam, and we've been doing it in St. Louis for a year and a half. Three years. Three years? This is the third squad two wow. years. This is the third Cheers. scatter jam. So yeah, so it was at the zoo this year, uh, as it was last year, which is very cool because they got a big auditorium and they got big cement animal heads on the walls, which is crazy cool looking. And also real animal heads, which is really weird for a zoo. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and it was also this is also one of the first game jams where I had to look inside the mouth of a leatherback turtle before I got to <laughs> before oh, yeah. I got to make a game, which which is one of the grosser things in the animal kingdom. It's amazing. Yeah, we also learned the uh, similarities between plastic bags and uh, jellyfish. Yeah. yeah, they look the same, they taste the same, but one of them's harder to digest. Can you guess it's the bag? Which? It's the bag. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, we we got the theme on uh, on Friday night, and then everybody headed back here to BSHQ to jam. And I think everybody had, everybody had a really good time. We actually did a post mortem this morning, which lasted about an hour and a half or two, where everyone's kind of talking about the experience and their findings and doing some self reflection. And uh, I just want to go around. Would you? Yeah, well, how was your experience? Well, so it was it was awesome. Uh, Sam and I teamed up to make a game called Betty the Yetis, uh, which is like a Yeti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but, we wanted to go with just regular Betty the Yeti, but that was already a kid's book or something. Somebody made an, an eco fable. An eco fable, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we uh, had to be careful not to uh, step on any trademark toes. Yeah, so we made Betty the Yetis uh, Yachting Adventure. Ex- or extreme ex- Investment Banking Edition. Extreme Investment Banking Edition. You can actually go play it um, on itch.io. So if you go to bscotch.itch.io, it's right there. You can also just watch the two-minute trailer to get the idea because it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and I yeah. will say, the, so the fun part about making so it, it, in I guess, to summarize it, you are a Yeti, you were in a boat, and global warming started happening. And so the sea level started rising. Mm-hmm. And in order to escape, you have to go up to the top of Mount Everest in your boat. So you are rowing up the snow. So it's kind of like backwards skiing. Like mm-hmm. you use your paddle to push yourself up the mountain. And then if you don't keep paddling, then you slow down and you start sliding back. So you have to dodge rocks and trees and stuff. Um, but also there's a lot of coins and, and money scattered about on the face of Mount Everest dropped by all the Yeti bankers. Mm-hmm. Um, Very well. Which, you know, so you can just, you can pick, yeah, they're just throwing money everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also the case that the Yeti economy is built on respect. Yeah. And unfortunately, though, Yetis only respect sweet flips. That's, <laughs> that's like the core of their culture. And so y- the bankers on the mountain will only pay you interest on your savings if you have done a series of badass flips on the way up to the bank. Um 
So it's a game about climbing Mount Everest, doing flips, and saving for your retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the most fun part, though, was we finished that part on Saturday night, mm-hmm. and we were like, what do we do now? Because we have an entire extra, like, half a day to add stuff to the game. And so Sam and I were like, what if you got to the top of Mount Everest and then you kept going? Yeah. And so we're like, yeah, so the sea level now keeps rising and you have to now boat to the International Space Station. <laughs> so we put a little, you'll see it in the, in the YouTube video, we put a little cutscene in there where Betty evolves into Space Betty mm-hmm. and her boat becomes like a little UFO spaceship and she has a little helmet on and then her feet also have little like helmets. <laughs> um, so you boat up to the International fun. Space Station. Yeah, and of course, the sea level keeps rising all the way up to 249 miles above the Earth's surface. Turns out there's just a, below the International Space Station. There's yeah. a lot of water in those ice caps, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like a lot more than everybody thought. Yeah. But yeah, it turned out to be, uh, <laughs> turned out to be a super ridiculous and fun uh, game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check it out. It's, what is it? Bscotch.itch.io. Bscotch.itch.io. Mm-hmm. So, what about you guys? Yeah, what'd you make? What'd you work on? I just worked on some random stuff. So I mostly wanted to work on the tool that I've been making for Sam and Seth to make games faster. And now sure, which is the ink tube, which takes art assets and then puts them into the games and stuff. Um, so I was kind of working on that a bit. And then I was just kind of fiddling around because I need to know more about the kinds of problems that Seth faces making games so that every once in a while I could be like, hey, maybe I can make this work a little better, mm-hmm. you know? So I just dove in, did it and wanted to just do kind of a weird thing. And so I was making this little character who you could talk to and you could tell it to do things. So it would kind of parse out the words and try to find the action words and the targets. And it was funny. You you actually had to type commands, like a platformer, like a 2d platformer. You had to type commands to this character. So you'd be like, walk. And he'll just start walking, start walking, be like, walk left. And turn around and start walking the other way. But he has a, go faster. He has a, I think a one in 20 probability of just disobeying you. And he'll just (laughs) go, nah, he'll just go, nah. And then, and then just not do whatever you asked. And so, uh, so I was just kind of, I was just kind of playing around with this thing just to, just to re-experience game programming because game programming is real weird, yeah, like real oh, yeah. weird. <laughs> and the first problem that I that I faced, and I, I I made a game a long time ago, but ever since then I've basically just been doing infrastructure work for the studio, and so I haven't had to think about it for a long time. But the first problem, you make gerblins. Yeah. So the first problem I faced in this context was how do I make the character just stand on something? And I'd forgotten how difficult of a question that is to answer in the context <laughs> of games. Like you would think it's, it's the most basic part of basically every game of the universe is you have a character and it stands on a thing, right? It stands on the ground and walks around or whatever. And it turns out, turn out what is ground, what is the ground and how do you stand on it? <laughs> right. And it's not something you normally need to think too hard about. <laughs> yeah. And so that was, it was just kind of a fun, interesting, very weird project, but mostly I was just amused because I kept on running into unexpected stuff that would cause the character's arms just to windmill infinitely fast. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of, Adam's like, like, go left. The character's like, I'm a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? He waved his, he waved his arms around like crazy, and then it and just disappeared. disappeared. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm out. Funny I'm out. Is. I'm out here. <laughs> and for a while, I interpreted every single command as an attack command for some reason. Anyway, it was it was very interesting. Yeah, we started joking that Adam was going to accidentally build Skynet. Basically, it was what appeared to be yeah, happening. The, it was evil for a while. Yeah, the, the character right. kept becoming more disobedient and more sinister yeah. as the weekend progressed. <laughs> Turns out that the one in twenty of chances keep creeping up. Somehow, yeah, something's huh? happening. A little, yeah, a little more frequently. Like, I'm gonna make think. this one in ten, one in five. Actually, <laughs> my favorite thing about it though is that so Seth and I are using the ink pump tool that Amazon building, which moves assets from Inkscape into a folder and then imports them from that folder into Game Maker. Mm-hmm. And Adam built it, you know, to spec. But it turns out that the real world is very messy and yeah. heavy. And so, those of you who don't make software for a living, uh, but do like to program, just know there's a big difference between just programming and making software. For yeah. Your so, uh, <laughs> it's an enormous gulf. It, uh, it basically amounts to compiling your art assets at the end of the day. And so, you, I would finish my stuff, hit a button, and then the ink pump would run and theoretically output all the assets into a folder, which then Seth could pull in using another tool. But uh, it turned out it was a very big stress test for Adam's, for Adam's creation. And so, Lots of bugs flying around and lots of like, mm-hmm. wait, how does this work again? And like, oh, this should do this instead. And then a lot of times just being like, why didn't that go? <laughs> um, <laughs> and having literally no idea. Yeah, but to, I think- to Adam's credit, throughout the weekend, he was just like, huh, as opposed to being like, fuck, this thing <laughs> oh, yeah. I spent so much time in is just collapsing under the weight of the real world. Yeah, yeah. it was just it was just informative. So I've been I've been redoing it. Now it has parallel processing. Which you can help a lot because it's taking about nine yeah, minutes so to crank through my art. Now. And I was like, what if it used the GPU? 
And Adam's like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, not yet. That's, that's, that's V2. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah. And then sure, what about you? What was your, let's talk about your game. Yeah, so I actually collaborate, collaborated with Carol and then we made a hybrid uh, of a breakout uh, and uh, kind of a satire to dream interpretation therapist. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, uh, for those for those of you who don't know, the Scatter Jams uh, theme this year is uh, open to interpretation. So yes. me and Carol were just discussing, oh, you know, like w- what can we make out of this? And then uh, eventually we settled on the idea that let's do dream interpretation. So we have this uh, we have this uh, a dream interpretation session going between the clinic uh, between the uh, clinician and then the client, and then uh, you play as the clinician to. Uh, uh, to use the breakout mechanics to uh, to select the uh, the uh, the phrase that you want to uh, tell your uh, uh, your client, and so, they, you, so you would hit you you'd bounce the ball, and the blocks would have responses. Right, you'd hit the response, and then the therapist would be like, "Uh huh, yeah, mm, yeah, mm. tell me more, tell me more about that." Does this have to do with your mother? Yeah, because <laughs> this, this is a common occurrence, <laughs> right? And then it turns out the more you hit, the the better they will rate you, uh, despite what you actually said. So being a good <laughs> listener really goes a long way. So it's really it's a pretending to listen to someone simulator. Right. <laughs> Which is actually very true in, uh, in real life. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you're just listening. You're, you're pretending to listen to people. You like, just go, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Or in your mind, you're just playing breakout. <laughs> uh, but I, think, I think Carol has it up on her itch page. Mm-hmm. So if you go to carolmertz.itch.io, probably. I think, I think so. so. That's yeah. a fair guess. Uh, then you can find that game there. And you'll, you'll also get to hear Carol making weird noises in the uh, thing because she at one point locked herself in the podcast room and we could just all hear through the wall. Yeah, she, she, she made a bunch of bumbling noises weird and then noises. passed it through a, like a filter and then it turned into this, this weird sort of pseudo babbling mm-hmm. between the patient and the therapist, which turned out pretty funny. Yep. So scoop it out. Yeah. So check all that stuff out. Um, and then Andy and uh, one of our friends here, mm-hmm. Michael St. Louis, Michael Ha um, also made a game together. We're all in the same room and you can find theirs. We won't talk about it since they're not here, but it is very cool. And the art is awesome. It's um, called gum control. Called gum control. Gum control. Uh, and I think, where did it? Maybe on Michael's itch page. You can, you can get it. If you look at the scatter jam on itch.io. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, and that was, that was kind of cool to see too, because Andy, he has been working um, with Adam and, and learning a lot of web dev stuff. And he actually hasn't done any game dev. Yeah. So even game maker and the, and the tools he was using and stuff were completely unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always cool to see somebody just get thrown into it like that. And it's just like, well, I got to figure it out. Cause yeah. I'm here for 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did. He he rose, he rose to the occasion, which is cool. Uh, all right, so what else happened this past week? I think it's about it. We should just get to questions. All right, let's get to some questions. Is that all? There was nothing else that happened? I mean, there, there was. There was all kinds of stuff, but it's, we're in a time warp because we just spent 48 hours making it. Yeah, no, I'm trying, so. to, I'm trying to throw my mind back to ask, what did happen? Ooh, I got new toilets. Hey. Oh. This is going to change my life, so I just had to, to talk about it. That's it. Let's talk about it. What have you learned about what have you oh, learned about I did learn though, because I had to do a lot of toilet research. Mm, okay, what you got? Save uh, me some time later in life. There, yeah, there, there's a there's a sort of startling. There's both a startling diversity and a startling uniformity hmm. of toilet options because they're all basically the exactly the fucking same. Yeah, except there are. Is there ever like a like a you know how we go to Amazon page and there's a bunch of questions and stuff where people ask, right? It's like on yeah, a toilet, yeah. it's like. Question like, can I shit in it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, well, it, it right, really well, is though. Is fine. <laughs> that is the main question is just, does it get blocked up and does yeah. it clean the bowl? Like those are the only two things you even care about. And But but there's some weirdly ornate kinds of toilet designs and stuff. Mm. And these weird ones that just look kind of like a pod. You know, it doesn't look like you would think of as a toilet. You kind of lift the surface of it open and then it, I don't know, a lot it's of like very weird egg. stuff. Yeah, it's like an egg. Does it close oh, your entire body inside, or <laughs> you fold it in I half? Didn't see one of those. Yeah. I mean, it was hard to get a sense of scale because they just show a white pod against a white background. So I don't know. Might have been a full. Might be just you get. Is, your it, whole is body it like one there. of those egg chairs from the Men in Black yeah, uh, test scene? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it turns out that's a commercial for the new toilet. 
Yeah, yeah. they look super comfy. So <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty nice. I mean, I had a toilet talk of my own last week that finally finished, which is that the flapper stopped. So the flapper on a toilet is the thing that stops the water from draining out during the flushing phase. Ah, the flapper. You know? And so yes. uh, my flapper was weak, and so it wasn't creating a good seal. Are you talking about your mouth this time or the, the toilet? <laughs> 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 and, so, and so the you flapper. You got a weak flapper. <laughs> my, that's, this weak flapper that I had was causing a persistent constant leak. And so you can just hear the toilet. If you ever hear a toilet, you're going you're kind of trickling back Oh, just constantly. That means you got a weak flapper. Yeah, a weak flapper, and you got to take it out. So they only cost like three bucks, right? So you know, get the flapper, put it in, and as soon as I put the flapper in, the arm that uh, holds the flapper in place that you actually is attached to the lever. So the whole thing that operates the mechanism to pull the flapper up uh, breaks a little bit. But at this point, I just fixed the toilet. And I was feeling too good to give a shit, and I was like, it's still gonna work. It's clearly this armature is old. But whatever, the flapper's repaired, it'll be fine. Next day, I come home, Diana's like, hey, I flushed the toilet upstairs and uh, broke the arm off of it. I'm like, okay. So order an arm, get that, put that all together. And uh, the only sort of major misgiving of it was the fact that apparently it's the same sort of diversity and uniformity problem Mm -hmm. where I didn't realize the specificity with which you need to approach getting parts for your toilet. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like you got to flip haven't We haven't come to a standard... Yeah. Toilet well, there arms. are there are some standards. That's the confusing part. Is there's there's just a set of standards. But if you're not an expert in toilets, yeah. well, it reminds me of know? the XKCD comic of somebody who's like, I'm sick of all these different languages not using the same standard. Yeah. I'm gonna come up with my own language yep. that uses a different standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So while well, if you flip over the lid, you have to read the serial number on the bottom of the lid of the water tank, and then go and plug that in and be like arm for K one seven two nine eight, and then there's a couple different options. And the thing was with my toilet in particular is that it actually has a diagonal arm. Whoa. Which apparently if you accidentally order this thing, it just will not work because it won't fit into the toilet if you accidentally order it for the wrong toilet. Mm. And there were tons of comments and questions of people trying to get some reassurance that they were ordering the right toilet arm. And I was like, this is too much. Can't we just so get somebody, on the internet? So somebody the goes right to the questions thing and they're like, can I shit in it? And somebody's like, no, this is the this toilet arm. <laughs> Go, you got to get over to the Cut toilet section. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, good old toilet story. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, get to, let's get to some questions. <laughs> All right. So, questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. You can ask them with or without a Bscotch ID. Yeah, we don't care. We don't care. Do what you Just want. Just ask them. And uh, go on there, ask a question or two about, you know, game stuff, life stuff, whatever you want. And we'll answer on the podcast, maybe. So, first question comes from Ogaz Who's, who asks, What do you think of Game Maker 2, which is in beta? And are you guys and girl going to use it? Uh, I don't know if we can talk too much about it. The trailer, Are we yeah. under NDA? Well, the thing is, there's there's an NDA for what is in the closed beta. Oh, because we're in the closed beta. Right. Yeah, and I can't remember what parts of it is. is that they Are we did allowed it? to say that we're in the closed beta? Sure, why not? But I mean, what if that was also in there? <gasps> <laughs> I'll read it and see. NDA exception. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. think long form or short form, it looks very good. Yeah, it looks super nice. Um, I think it's going to be really useful. There's a lot of nice new features in it. Uh, we will be using Game Maker Studio 2, uh, probably not for our immediate next game, but for the following one. Because it's also the case that we've developed a whole bunch of tools for Game Maker that um, now we will have to re-two of them to get them to work in the new Game Maker. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a thing, and I assume we have to migrate all of our projects over right. to it. Um, it's it's gonna be a little. No, I think you meant sure is gonna have to. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm here for. As the, <laughs> as the shepherd of the portfolio, yes, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, there is a video out, a YouTube video, yeah, that's just like showing off some of the features and stuff, and it's it is it's very cool. cool. Yeah. The active art while you're animating thing is really weird. So you can, you you look at the the, the the example they have in the video is there's a sword and they want to put flames on it because why not? And they just set out the frames for it and then actually draw on on the sprite while the animation is going. And so it's putting down yeah, honestly, imagery I while think, it's going, which I is going to be weird. For pixel art yeah, it's gonna be great. games, uh, Game Maker 2 is going to just blow everything out of the water mm-hmm. because it yeah. also has, it's, it's sprite um, editing tool has layers like photoshop so you can edit and delete layers and when you're done it'll it'll compile everything at run, like at runtime 
for the game, but uh, but it like or it becomes a PNG when it's done. But inside the project, it's still layered, so you can mm-hmm. edit the layers at any time, delete the layers at any yeah. time. You can make variants of the sprite, um, and you can like you're saying, you can run an animation and draw on it as it's while animated. it's running. It's a little yeah. mind bending. I would recommend. And, I, and it at up. first, at first, I heard about that, and I was like, that's weirdly. How specific? could that possibly <laughs> right. be useful? And then you see him draw fire with it in like five seconds. You're like, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's just a matter of like put your pen, put your like pencil on the thing and just like make a little red squiggle that goes mm-hmm. up. And then all of a sudden you have a fire. Boom. Yeah. Technology. Yeah. Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next question comes from map five, five, nine, seven, who asks, from what I remember, you guys mostly self-taught yourself programming. Do you think if you took a class on real programming, it would expose some things you were doing that weren't quite right? Would you recommend a data structure or mm-hmm. algorithms course? I love the idea of real programming. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think uh I in retrospect, I hate the idea of a programming course mm-hmm. because it's just throwing a bunch of crap at you in what I would now consider to be an arbitrary order where I think you just described all of education. Yeah. Uh, but where <laughs> but where so self-teaching is amazing because you are doing it to solve problems. Yeah. Right. And so when you learn something, you learn it with a purpose in mind Mm -hmm. and you get to use it right there on the spot. um, And you can take the time that you need in order to dig deeper into it and figure out why it's working. Right. Um, If you're taking a programming course, somebody else is going to come in and tell you something that you need to know, even if it's not actually relevant to the thing you're trying to do, you're not going to use it in a useful context. Um, And then it'll just kind of slip away after a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is like, you can, you can get an F, like you can, you can fail a, a programming course. Um, but the idea behind self-teaching is it's not about like failure is how you learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, well, that's exactly it is, is you, you have to screw things up constantly in order to be like, Oh, I broke that and it didn't work. And this is why. And now next time I can make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that, that pressure where like you have to make a thing that fits whatever the assignment is to learn a particular concept that somebody else decided you needed to know. Um, and that now your inability to do that is now like perpetually, <laughs> perpetually documented and reflected on a piece of paper for some fucking reason. Um, it's just not something that happens with self-teaching, right? Yeah. Like if you screw something up, you're like, that was an important lesson. I'm not going to do that again. Right. And you just yeah. get to move on. Well, so. speaking of this, uh, we are teaching a class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's actually not, it's weird because it's not a programming class. Yeah. It is a game development class mm-hmm. it's, that shit's gonna run run the gamut is it a game programming class technically the title is video game programming but, but okay. that's we didn't only, get to choose it yeah that's only because can we t- can we say why probably not probably should okay. <laughs> we'll just say legacy <laughs> technology we'll just say legacy <laughs> code uh, <laughs> to be announced <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah so the title of the course literally cannot be changed um and it's not in our control mm-hmm. so it's called video game programming but it's actually just a course about game development in general mm. and so the the students will be um solo developing games and we're going to put them through. So they're doing a semester long Ludum Dare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'll, they'll make several games throughout the semester. Okay. Um, Nice. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be intense. We'll probably have some really good stories about that. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to add, so a good teacher teaches the students how to approach the problem, how to solve problems in general, not to just any specific problems, but Mm -hmm. you know, to that domains of problems. So, yeah, so if you are uh, taking a class and then you know, you're failing, you're failing in it because you can't solve specific problems, it doesn't mean you can't, you're, you're bad at the thing. You know, uh, the problem context can change from one to another mm-hmm. in vastly different ways. And then the good thing with self-teaching is that, you know, you solve the problem that's specific to yourself. And then in that process, you know, you discover, you look things up and then uh, those things, and then uh, those things benefit yourself. Right. Uh, in that subsequent context. So I guess my point is just that, you know, uh, there's no one size fits all class for everybody. It's you, it's you yourself got identify what problem you want to solve and then go ahead and find the, the information relevant to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. which isn't to say that taking a programming class is bad. It's bad. I think if you take that, if you take a programming course and expect that just through that, you're going to become a good programmer, I think mm-hmm. that's probably not. It's just a general rule for taking classes, though, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's no replacement for just working Dude, your ass off. Well, and, actually, and actually, as we as we were, Sam and I were talking through kind of how to approach the 
the agenda, like the what is it? What's it called? Syllabus. 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 <laughs> this is our agenda. That, that word for what a class is. Um, great teachers. Yeah. <laughs> hey kids, get out your whatever that piece of paper is. Um, we were kind of struggling with the idea that the actually like the structure of a college course or any you know normal school course is that it has absolutely nothing to do with teaching people in-depth knowledge about something it's you get hit with a, a whole bunch of different courses because because the the limitation is you have three hours of class mm-hmm. and you should not give people more than seven, seven hours. hours of work that week right i'm thinking like if you spend 10 hours a week on Wait, anything that, that was a rule you had for this class it's a, rough it's, it's a it's okay. a rule of thumb right because it's like okay if somebody's taking so what is it it's, most people take 15 credit hours right mm-hmm. so you basically just multiply that by five whatever we tell them to do Mm-hmm. So it's seven or eight times five, which is a 40 hour full work week. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah. So, so the idea is it's, it's weird to think about it in retrospect, but that um, it's not about actually learning a lot about something. It's learning some stuff about a lot, a lot of, of different things. And yeah. even if you, even if you're majoring in a thing um, you're taking a couple classes in a thing, you're spending, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week working on that thing. Um, and you do that for two, four month stretches or something. Like you haven't really gone very far at all down that path, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a weird thing to think about is like, we're going to teach a course where we want to try to teach people a lot of in-depth, really good knowledge about stuff, but we have a really limited window to do it. And we can't actually demand that they spend very much time on well, it. The interesting thing about it is if you look at a normal game jam, which is a 48 hour event and people work for about 30 hours during it. Um, if you consider that in the context of a, a class, the normal amount of time you get in a class, it's basically a third or a half of a semester, depending on. And right? it only is a weekend. And it's a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah. And they, they talk about, there, there are these programs that a lot of universities offer where they do accelerated courses, right? Where you can you can say, all right, I'm going to do microeconomics for the next two weeks. And you have a mm-hmm. class for six hours a day. You have a test every three days. And you get the credit after two weeks, right? Because yeah. you you learn the shit out of it in just two and a half or three weeks. An immersion course. Yeah. And the crazy thing about it is like, I, so some, some schools do do this, right? The block schedule yeah. sort of approach where you just do one thing at a time for two to four weeks. Um, and I do wonder if there's, you know, some really large benefit to that because you're so forcibly immersed in it. But at the same time, I remember one of my favorite things about school and taking multiple classes that span different disciplines was actually seeing all the weird ways in which everything cross talks. That was like one yeah. of my favorite things. You go, but hmm? I think this goes to the original question, which was about taking about the value of taking a course about sort of the nitty gritty details yeah. of real quote unquote real programming, right? Uh, I think I think that has a really important place, or at least trying to understand what real programmers would consider to be real programming has an important place in, in things like data structures, as mentioned. Uh, but only when you, as the person trying to learn, are already equipped with what you need to understand and utilize that. Mm-hmm. Because programming, like all kinds of stuff, has developed so much in recent years that you can know very little, actually, about how to think about problems. About how to, You don't need to really know any math. You don't need to know how a computer works. And you can pick up Python or just about any other modern language, and you can just start programming. You don't have to know anything. And as you do it, and or, as game you start, or game maker, yeah, right? <laughs> and as you do it and start solving problems and, and understanding kind of the beauty of what it means to, to use programming to solve a problem, then you become more and more equipped with an, just an internalized understanding of what you're doing so that when you are then presented with, oh, by the way, this is actually how this works. This is, this is what the detail is. This is what algorithm is running in the background when you do this. Because once you start running into the limitations of your knowledge so that you can no longer solve the problems you're trying to solve, uh, now when you go out to look for the answers, sometimes the answers are now in that more complicated stuff. You're going to bump into those things. You're going to bump into them just by being a programmer, just by working. And as long as you don't run away from them when you meet them, instead try to figure them out, then every time you're confronted with them, you're going to do a better job of understanding it. So that the, the way that most of this stuff is taught, including programming and including a lot of science, is just ask backwards, right? They just say, here are all the details first. We want to make sure you, <laughs> right. we want to make sure you know all the details so you understand what you're doing, right? I remember when I took comp sci my freshman year of college, which I failed. The first two weeks, <laughs> the first two weeks was on memory pointers. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. Any of this what's is memory. What is and memory? Right. And, and, and like pointers are notoriously the most confusing thing. Yeah, for and that was what understand. we started with, yeah. and then it went just downhill from there. Because <laughs> like it actually, it actually took um, eight weeks into the semester before we started doing any writing any actual code. Yeah, because they're like, well, you can't write code until you understand binary. 
Right. Like right. You gotta know. You gotta this know is, the deepest this level. Is the, this is the opposite of the reality of the sort of muddy hands approach, right? Like you gotta get your hands in the guts of the thing, get your hands dirty in order to actually have the context in which to understand it. Yep. Um, and show you've been. I mean, you've been programming now for like four months. Like, how's this process been? Because you've been self teaching a lot. Mm-hmm. Seth gave you sort of some pointers, but you've been largely sort of on your own. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, how's, I just how's threw sure into the been? deep end. Was, yeah. How's that process? Pretty been much. Been? Yeah, I think. Um, when you have specific problems to solve, I think you, like as long, in this age, you know, Stack stack Exchange is uh, the best friend uh, yeah. of mm-hmm. programmers. But if you just copy paste and don't know what's happening, then you're in a mistake. Right, right. Yeah, this, uh, I, it's just start sweating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what I've been doing. Oh, my, my secrets have been falling I've out. I've never written a single line of code. <laughs> right. But yeah, I think uh, it's, what I meant is just that, you know, uh, answers are out there. Like, all the problem, all the all the problems that you think you are you are coming up for the scene for the first time has been solved like probably a hundred times online. Yeah. But starting thirty years ago. Yeah. Starting thirty <laughs> years ago. So you know, if you want to, you know, if you just you, you what I've been uh, finding out is that you know, as you as you encounter this problem, you are narrowing it down. Uh, big problems, you know, you, you you have to narrow it down to see, oh, okay, what was small problems you can solve first. And when you really narrow down it and narrow down the search, then you can pinpoint where, you know, what exactly you're looking for. And sometimes, you know, you can get that answer from online. Sometimes I get that from Seth. Sometimes, you know, you come across the documentations of GameMaker and just find those stuff. Mm-hmm. So what's really important is just this kind of problem-solving mind, you know, that helps you to break big, nebulous, ambiguous things down into concrete uh, small blocks that you can actually work on. And then from there, you know, you can then build do up, whatever, build up the big things. Yeah, yeah. 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 I guess as sort of parting advice for people trying to learn program, there is no right way to program. There's no such thing as a real program. There's no such thing as a real programmer. <laughs> uh, what if, if you want to actually be a programmer and, and use it to solve problems, then as sure is basically saying, all you need to do is just always care about how things work and be okay with the fact that you're not going to know or that you're not going to understand how it works a lot of the time, but keep revisiting stuff. Because I even find today that suddenly I'll be using something that I've used a hundred times or a thousand times over the past year or two. And then all of a sudden something will click and I'll realize, holy shit, that's what this is doing right, right. now. Now it suddenly makes sense. And a lot of, a lot of those low level details are, are the sort of realm of things like algorithms, courses, and uh, and data structures. Because that's, that's all the nitty-gritty details of what a thing is actually doing kind of behind the scenes. Because, again, sometimes that's important. But as a new programmer, it's never important. Right. You just got to get which shit sounds, working. Yeah, yeah. which <laughs> sounds like an extreme thing to say. But I think it, I think it just I really agree. is the case. You just don't need to know that stuff to start using programming, start embracing it. And by teaching it, by teaching programming with the, assumption that you have to know that stuff in order to do it. You're doing everybody a disservice. You're doing everybody a disservice. Well, actually, I, like, because of that class, I stepped away from from believing that I could even learn how to code. Yeah. I, I walked away from that for five years. Yep. And it's so, the same thing with me. My, my freshman year, I took a comp sci course. I didn't fail it, but I did not know what was happening at all the entire time because we were so in the weeds with everything. And I didn't care because it wasn't why about... Why would you? Why would you? It wasn't about causing explosions and stuff. One of the assignments was literally like... <laughs> here's how recursion works. Do recursion in this way. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't understand not, what recursion even is. It's not in the service of some larger <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't understand why I would do this. And yeah. then we, made, we ended up making, the goal was to make like a Persian rug looking thing using recursion, an image. But at the same time, a recursion like, rug. A recursion rug, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I didn't come into that being like, I want to make a rug. I can know how I can figure this out with recursion. I need to figure out what recursion is. It was the opposite way where someone's like, yeah. you need to go make a rug using recursion. I'm like, why? Yeah, but but here's <laughs> but here's even better is you wouldn't even need to know that recursion exists because you can solve that problem without recursion. Mm-hmm. You can solve just about any problem without recursion. And then someday after you've solved a thousand problems in the the way that's a little less efficient, you're gonna read something. If you're again always looking for new knowledge, and always trying to understand how things work, you're gonna read something about recursion. And since you've solved a thousand problems that all look similar and could have been solved by recursion, you're gonna be like, ah, think, shit. Oh. <laughs> no, but it's not even. I guess you could do it that way, or you could just say, oh, this is cool. Now I get how this would work, and then you can. But also with it. a slight amount of remorse about your past mistakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I I wish I had known this to go, earlier. I prefer to go forward looking. <laughs> No, I'm all about moping. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, just never stop asking questions and never stop reading documentation. Never stop, never stopping. All right. Uh, Darth Binary is our next question. 
comes from or jeez comes from Darth Binary. Question Darth is, Binary. Are oh, there going to be any other job switches like Carol's? If not, do any of you want to but feel blocked somehow from doing something? It's <laughs> <laughs> a fun one. Uh, I don't know. I think as far as Probably. job as far as job switches go, it's more about like we're everyone's sort of finding exactly where they can slot their talent to perform best both for the for the studio and then also just to sort of line up with themselves um we're pretty open to moving people around to do that so that's where we're at that being said yeah. we do have various projects that we need done as a studio so it's not like if seth is like i want to i want to take care of birds <laughs> we'll be like that doesn't really i can't quite help you there <laughs> i'm all about knitting can we start up a <laughs> knitting division that's just me making fuckloads of mittens yeah <laughs> I think the, the only Bleeding thing... Bleeding all over everything with my calloused hands. <laughs> I don't think... I mean, I'll speak for myself personally. I don't feel blocked. I don't feel blocked about doing anything. It's mainly just that there's so many projects that we have that are interesting and exciting to do that it could be easy. We talked about this a bit today. It could be easy to essentially try to do too many of them simultaneously while being very mm-hmm. pumped up about all of them and ending up kind of... Doing none of them. Doing none of them. Yeah. yeah. Or just making less meaningful progress on a day-to-day than, frankly, yeah. is satisfactory for a job. Yeah, I think the the realistic thing about owning and running a game studio, in our case, is that you don't get to just do a thing. Mm-hmm. You have to do a thousand things all the time. And uh, and for people we're bringing into the company, though, we can give them the freedom of only having to do one thing, actually, which we're going to start working towards doing because mm-hmm. that's actually when you can buckle down and do the most work. And, and I mean, over time, as the studio's needs change, we might shift people over to other tasks as, as they're necessary. But uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. No real job switches, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we as as we're new employers. Like we've yeah. we've baby baby employer getting our baby legs. Yeah. Um. So you know, <laughs> of course, we're 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 learning all kinds of things as we go and figuring out how to you know make people fulfilled being a part of the team and and getting people motivated to work on cool stuff and all that. Um. So um, what I'm curious about with this question is. <laughs> is that we don't really know what the hell we're doing in this domain. <laughs> um, so, like, we have some ideas about it, but, you know, we're going to be making some some uh, making some mistakes here yeah. and there oh, yeah. when it comes to mm-hmm. ma- managing this group. Uh, so, we'll, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll try to keep everybody up to date so you can kind of get the inner workings of a game dev studio. Yeah. But that is, how that is, how that it's is operating. An, yeah, but that is an important point um, that Adam was, was getting at, which is um, over the past couple weeks, we've started to realize more and more the importance of trying to um, give people the gift of focus, which is it's it's hard to be productive and feel like you're making meaningful progress or stuff if you're being pulled in a thousand different directions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's something that we want to try to put more focus on is giving people that opportunity to just work on a single project and go really hard on it for a while. And that as the as the people who are running the studio, you know, it's it's our responsibility to try to facilitate that and make that happen Um, because we're, we've been doing a thousand things at a time for years now. And that's where we live, right? Yeah, we live um, in that space. And Which is to say, that, I mean, this is an important point because when we did our hiring, we actually had the opposite idea. We were like, we, we're going to bring we in need- people <laughs> to do all the thousand things that we're doing mm-hmm. so that we can focus on the one thing that we each want to do. And it turns out that doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because we're the ones who know about all the thousands of things that have to be done because we're, we built this thing and we have a vision for it. And it doesn't make sense to put that responsibility yeah. on someone else. So why would else? you be like, hey, here's a thousand things to do yeah. and you've never seen any of them before. Yeah, so or even know why you would en- do them. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go over here and just work on a thing. Uh, we that, are, that's an important lesson. Yeah. We are learning. <laughs> We're learning, you know, slowly but surely. But I do wonder, you know, we're talking about how to learn stuff. Because there are MBA courses, right? There are management courses. Yeah, I took one. You did take I, one. I mean, I went to MBA school. Did it teach you anything about this? Because this is, that's my question is like, no. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to understand, you know, what Everyone's I was, flailing in the dark. Actually, when I came out of college, though, I was like, oh, how come they make you have to have work experience before you get an MBA, right? They yeah. require that you have some work experience. Because like, they don't actually teach you anything. You teach yourself yes. by getting a job. Then and they, then, just, then and they then, just put a stamp on it. Yeah, They're like, right. okay. Well, they're first <laughs> right. to give them... $100,000. Yeah. And then they put a stamp. Well, my point, though, is that it's, <laughs> it's that learning without context, again, is essentially not being able to learn anything. It's the yeah. equivalent of just sitting in a room and having someone teach at you. Yeah, you need context. You need context, and you get the context in that case by actually working for a few years before you get an, an MBA. But I was wondering, you know, in your case, having gone to an MBA course, which I totally forgot about, done some MBA stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've read plenty of books. Read plenty of books. 
there's some very good books on on, <laughs> on all the best books and on <laughs> and on business structure and you know how best to work with people and all this other stuff and honestly i don't think any of it has like really stuck because <laughs> of the fact that we weren't in the context in which i needed to use it right yeah Until yeah recently. and i mean even now um with context it's like anything. Our context is different. Our context is different. And a lot of people don't, like, they may have misevaluated things, mm-hmm. right? And so you can go out there and, and do a lot of reading and try to figure out whether you're doing the right thing, whether you have the right ideas. But, you know, you just have to be very self-critical and, and intros- just do it. Yeah, introspect a lot on whether or not you're doing things the right way and try to, you know, brainstorm on better ways to be doing things and just, you know, do your best. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And I want to add is that, you know, let's think about why we have school class in the first place. Back in the old days, people do that to just simply discuss ideas together mm-hmm. and you know, just talk shops. And like then salons th- from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, a lot of people that I know are in, in, uh, in the MBA class. They talk about, oh, it's a great networking opportunity. It's yeah, a great right? place, you know, for me to get to know other people who are, you know, business leaders or, you know, in management. And then, you know, we talk about the uh, problems we're facing. We talk shops, you know, we trade ideas with each other. And I think, you know, in that kind of a context, you know, after, uh, I think, I think, yeah, just if you, if you have been, uh, uh, been yourself, uh, been your head uh, on the table on certain problems and you can't figure it out on your own, it's a good idea to, you know, just uh, to talk to other people and see what, it, what their perspectives is. And sometimes you can get ideas from them. And then having a class, you know, to do that, like, uh, on a regular basis, have that kind of, like, commitment can sometimes be helpful. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like, yeah, I guess, I guess it's sort of like just paying for a chronic consultancy. Yeah. Chronic yeah. consultancy? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I did go to an MBA school, um, so I can speak to this a bit, but it was basically a networking. It was more thing. about the networking than it was the management. Right. It was about learning how to land a good job, you know, how to, how to interview. There was, there was regular interview practice. Um, you would have to interview into a webcam re- regularly and you would send your interviews in to an evaluator who would like, cause they want to make sure that anybody coming out of that school will just land the first hmm. big management job that they want to get. Um, it's Which not is less about managing and more about, it's more about politics. It's about politics. Yeah. It's about how to present yourself, how to how to speak, how to speak business jargon. How do you work a crowd and like go into a room and and you know just Command hit up, it. yeah like find the person who you want to network with and go like go what was it? go do that go do finger guns at them. Hey buddy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah we need to talk shop. Ah, right. you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, and I, I was I was weirded out because I went there. I went there with the intention. This was back in 2011. And I was like, I want and I had been making games for a year on, on my own at this point. And I thought I need to do this because I need to know what goes into running a business. So I need an MBA because I want to start a game studio at some point and I need to know it. So I go in there and in the first quarter, I'm like, holy shit, this has absolutely nothing to do with running a business or Mm -hmm. being a manager. At no point in any of the classes was the word like employees used. Like that was (laughs) never, like it was all just about like, how do you interview? How do you do this? How do you do that? Let's talk about statistics. Let's talk about, you know, how to like manage your whatever. I don't know. It was like, it was nothing to do with any of the stuff that we're actually doing now. Um, So I don't know. It's uh, which isn't to say that it's not useful. It's just not. Useful what for I what you need. think it is. It's right. not what I needed at right. the time. It's yeah. not a golden ticket. It's another, yeah, yeah silver bullet. Mm-hmm. Yep. You still got to do stuff, turns out. <laughs> Our next question comes from Kevin888, who asks, I was watching those deleted scenes from the Dev Diary on YouTube, which, by the way, there are some deleted scenes from Dev Diary on YouTube. What's the Dev Diary, Sam? The Dev Diary is the story of Crashland's development. Oh, that's, that's a back that's cool. behind-the-scenes documentary. Um, they're on. There's some of them on the YouTubes. So, Dev Diary. Butterscotch, Dev Diary, Crashlands, I can remember those two. Yeah. Um, but one of the things mentioned in there was the ghost in dad's house. <laughs> and he said, what's this all about? What's this ghost in the house all about? Um, did you Tell guys, us a ghost story. Did you guys ever run into the thing? No. Nah, man. Nah, I never saw <laughs> I never saw a ghost. All right, so apparently I was the only one who but had these. in ghosts. I'm not, I'm not worrying about your nonsense, Adam. <laughs> My nonsense. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm calling your nonsense. Call it nonsense. <laughs> so the ghost story is is thus. A, I was, well, let's 
start with the facts. Young, preteen, hormones raging. And brains changing very fast. 11-year-old Sam. Somewhere between 11 and 13. Is Picture this. And we're in uh, our dad's house, which is this old house built in like 1904 or something. It's very, old. It's very old. Before the Titanic sank. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> and uh, before airplanes existed. And when dad bought it, it was just, just a piece of shit. Like you could see through the kitchen floor into yeah. the basement where there was still a coal pile. Yeah. From the the, the, the kitchen coal. floor was literally just like wood slats. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was fixing this thing up, you know, good on him for taking care of the neighborhood, whatever. Anyway, so the big problem was, uh, aside from all the work that needed to be done, was the ghost. Was that there was a fucking ghost living in there. <laughs> and so what would happen to me and uh, dad at the time would just kept on telling me that I was freaking out, like watching too many scary movies, which is probably true because I was pretending to know what I was doing. Um, but what would happen is I would go to bed and my room was right across sort of an eyeline level. If, you, if you're laying down in bed and you look out, like you look to your right, you'd see the attic door. You could see, well, you look through your door and then there's the attic door sort of... Uh, uh, perpendicular i guess to your no parallel to your view so it'd be like on the edge so you kind of just see the edge of the door sitting there and uh some nights for some reason i would just hear some some shit clattering around up in the attic and the crazy thing was that the the attic didn't have anything in it it wasn't a finished attic um there was no storage up there it was just sort of like just empty an empty yeah. dusty gross place and we never went there we don't go we don't go to the attic <laughs> so of course you know all these things some people for some people it's the basement right everybody has a place in their house usually that's like it's we, kind of scary. Don't, <laughs> don't go in there. And Seth managed to avoid this, I think, by having an office downstairs. So every yeah. space is used, yep. you know? There's I just life everywhere. threw a bunch of humans down here. Yeah. But in our case, the attic at Dad's place was terrifying. Also, the basement was terrifying to start with. But well, it was partially the coal pile. Yeah, the coal pile is yeah. very scary. And <laughs> it's so scary. Don't touch it. I don't know. Is it poisonous? It's so, catch fire. <laughs> over the course of about two years... Basically, you know, very routinely, I would hear something walking around upstairs. I swear to God, just something walking around. Someone. Someone. A ghost. And, uh, you know, regular sort of clomping stuff. Not not raccoon-sized things. I know what raccoons look like. You know, their size is like not Like your raccoon. shoes. Yeah, these are like shoes or something. What if it was a raccoon wearing shoes? That would be incredible. <laughs> and <laughs> so I would wake up dad and I'd say, hey, you know, there's... I'm sorry to bother you. But there's but a ghost. There's a ghost. <laughs> and dad would be like, no, quit freaking out. Go back to bed. Um, and just, you know, send me off. And then I just leave the light on the hallway. That was sort of my response. Because as we all know, ghosts. <laughs> terrifying. Cannot, they're like vampires. Any illumination whatsoever mm -hmm. just throws them off. So all of this, though, came to a head one day where I think it was shortly after the attic was cleaned out or something. They'd, they'd like move some stuff around. There was the some attic. turbulence up there. There was some turbulence up there and they found two th one thing of interest, which was that there was a bunch of burn marks inside the roof of the attic. As if at some point the place had been on fire. Spooky. Very spooky. <laughs> and, uh... Or somebody brought some coal from downstairs <laughs> and rubbed it on the floor upstairs. <laughs> Who knows what happened? But anyway, so they... So I think they just started... ghost. Moving the, like, cleaned out the attic or something. There's a fireman ghost up there rampaging around. And so, uh... This was the final time I ever had any issues with this. I heard the walking around. I'm like, okay, whatever, ghosts. That was this. Shut the fuck up. Try to go to bed. Which is funny <laughs> that, like, these things become just a, kind of a nuisance, like a squirrel, you know, at this point. So, uh, ghosts keep getting <laughs> paranormal piece of shit. Go away. So, laying there in bed tomorrow. Laying there in bed, trying, you know, trying to sleep and hear it walking around. And then it starts coming down the stairs. So it's like, clomp, clomp, clomp. And there's, there's like these very, very narrow steps. And so it's like, it's just coming down one by one by one. And then the door. So I'm looking at the fucking door. And I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, like, this is the night. Uh, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to get me going. Although I will point out that your bedroom was not the closest one no, to the attic. Was. Mine was. So it would have got, I would have been ghost food or yeah. whatever happens you know, to people. If they lock eyes with you, you're done. You know, that's how it works. Then they trade souls with you. Yeah. And, now, and now you're the ghost. <laughs> so, so, this, so it's like, clop, clop, clop. And it's just coming down these fucking steps. And I'm watching this door. I'm like, no, 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 no. And just sort of wide-eyed with terror as a 13-year-old. And then finally hits the bottom step. And I'm just sitting there waiting, like watching the door, waiting for the, you know, horror movie doorknob. <laughs> or the creek, yeah. <laughs> Nothing happens. So this is it. It's kind, this. It's, it's kind of like when, when uh, you light like a firework and the fuse goes all the way in and then it just sits there. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it felt like. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> just sweating. Yeah. So I wait a few minutes. Because I don't want to, like, trigger something, you know, by walking out into the hallway. Ghosts get very upset by mo just movement. movement. <laughs> so, so I wait a little while, and then I get up, and I think, I'm pretty sure I made I was like, Dad's good over. Like, fuck you, I'm sleeping in here. <laughs> She's like, get in bed. 
And so just sleep sleep there and then didn't have any problems with it the rest of the time. And they ended up redoing the attic. And I think Dad and Kevin's theory was that after they redid the attic, that the ghost was pleased. This is their theory. And it's because pleased with the arrangement of the furniture or whatever the and fuck. So it, so it walked down the stairs and then, the, but where did it, like it just is standing on the step to this I day? Know. I don't know, man. I, I hope mean, yeah, we're, we're, did, you, did, you ever, did you ever feel cold when you walked up first the stairs step? on the first step? It got trapped. It's still, standing, <laughs> it's still standing there to this day. <laughs> But dad, dad experienced the ghost. Yeah. So did Kevin. Yeah. And they were, each time they were sleeping in the same, that same bedroom. Also, other people who visited the house who didn't know about it have had freaky shit happen. So it's yeah. not just me. I know Adam, you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me. And the weird thing is, like, if you ask me if I believe in ghosts, I'd be like, no. And then you're like, but tell me the ghost except about, for the one. Except for the one that walked I don't believe, You don't believe in ghosts. You believe in ghosts. Just yeah. the one that lives in the that, attic. That is currently standing on the bottom step. Yeah. It's trapped forever. Where's that? It's waiting for its moment. To, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. To walk back. Maybe the maybe it's waiting for the attic to get burned down again so that it can go so back it can up there. Reemerge. It only lives in burned attics. All right, final question comes from Darth Binary, who says, Pop 183, another B Scotch person. There must be B Scotch ID friends. Hey! hey. Huh. Cool. Uh, Pop 183 and I recently found the Skyrim reference in Tal Flight 2. I won't spoil where. And had a good laugh about it. What are your favorite references in your games? I'm going to open this up to just any game because of the fact that we probably don't remember even what we referenced in a lot of stuff. But Yeah. Favorite references? Yeah. We don't tend to make a lot of references in our games. Or Easter eggs, right? Easter eggs. We, make, we do make a lot of references. Internal references, right? Well, I mean, they're still about real things, though. They're just, they're just mm-hmm. so screwed up. It's sort of like you photocopied a thousand times in a row. <laughs> and then maybe put it through a paper shredder and then and randomly it tape on, it back together. Rub it on the coal in the, in the basement. Yeah. yeah. And Suck then it feed it to the, to the step ghost. Yeah. <laughs> the step ghost. <laughs> and, then you, and, then you, and then that's the thing that ends up in the game. Yeah. So it can be kind of hard to decipher. What well, so a good example of this is in Tal Fight, we have the I Heart TF2 shirt, which refills one of your hearts when you use it. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought that it was a Team Fortress 2 reference. Yeah. And we're like, no, no it's no, literally it's how game. Game. It's it's this game fight that you're two. playing. <laughs> so there's that, people. Uh, what are the other? I don't even know what the reference is. Yeah, there's uh, in Crashland, I think there was uh, a mission uh, that's called Fungus Among Us. Fungus mm-hmm. Among Us. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fungus Among Us. And then I think I recently started started playing WoW again. And then I think there was a daily quest for the undead in the Undercity where you go collect fungus. And then the quest name is exactly the same. It's Fungus, <laughs> it's fungus a Among good Us. Pun. It's a good pun. Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm just drawing a blank. I I uh generally don't really care about references mm-hmm. because they feel like a usually they're just like a cheap way to sort of like point at a thing and be like, look, hey, you know this thing? I know this thing. We have established human connection, right? Well, we do do. We sort of pull on them and then twist them, I guess. So the Indiana Jones example. Oh yeah, lines. that was that was a good one. So the the whole uh, there's obscure. a fight. Yeah, there's a boss fight that involves a block stock, who's this big rocky golem guy. And the way you get to him is by helping out these two adventurers, uh, one named Andiana and one named Johns. Yeah. And so <laughs> together... And most people don't, don't get yeah. it because you have to kind of read them together. Mm-hmm. You know? And they always stand in order, though. Yeah. You know, so their names are always... If you want, Although, I, I will I will backtrack on my reference statement because I always like a good Indiana Jones reference. Because <laughs> there's also in speaking of wow, there's a there's a character named Harrison Jones, hmm. and he's it's like he's Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford, yeah, right. <laughs> and he's this explorer. And they they first started out like there was a troll dungeon thing, and he's like leading an expedition to go in there and, and do stuff. And you kind of he opens the gate, and then it's like oh fuck, there's all these bloodthirsty trolls in there, and that's like that's part of the intro to the dungeon. And so you have to go in there and sort of like keep the world from being overrun by this army of trolls that Harrison Jones mm-hmm. opened up. Um, and then they took it to the next level in a future expansion. They actually added a bunch of cutscenes where he's like, you, you have to, <laughs> it's like Harrison Jones is like, he's got a little rope thing and he's like whipping stuff and like swinging on it just like they did in that, <laughs> that horrible Crystal Skull movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you have to like, you get this little rope thing and you have to like rope behind him and like swing around in these ruins and like dig down and find <laughs> shit. Um so, I mean, yeah, they they literally took, like, an Indiana Jones mm-hmm. character and just made him part of the, the lore, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I yeah. think references are, if they're done in a kind of a just, not a deep way necessarily, that was pretty deep, but in a way that's just a little bit more than just, hey, here's a reference. 
Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that amusing, right? Uh, but when it's done a, just with a little bit more depth so that it feels like it makes sense also. It has to, has to mean something. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, so that, because I think, I would actually disagree in general that there's, that it's, I mean, I think they can be used cheaply for sure, but I don't think it's necessarily cheap yeah. because actually just saying to somebody, hey, you know that thing that you care about? I like that thing too. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, that's the cornerstone of all human interaction. Right. right. <laughs> And uh, and by by seeding uh, references, but not not too apparent ones, because like if they're a little bit more subtle, then if a person really cares about it, they're, they're more likely to see it, right? And so by kind of seeding a huge diversity of those things in the game, then you get to connect with people uh, in a more and just in a deeper way. You get to remind them that hey, somebody made this thing, yeah, and they like the stuff that the you like. Interesting thing about that though is that there are plenty of references that people get in our games that we didn't put in our games. Yeah, exactly. That's the and beauty of it. What I mean by that is like people people draw inferences between things that we have no idea what they're talking about. And the easiest example that we talked about before is is Hugo's the boss's name originally was Q, which apparently is like the Star Trek villain or a Star Trek villain. Yeah, and we hadn't we didn't have any idea about this. It was well, someone was like, "Oh, you got there? It's cool. You got there from Star Trek. It might be a little too obvious." And we're like, what, like, are you what, what do we get from Star <laughs> yeah. Trek? So, but and not even that, but they're like the boss, the Jessica boss, which is a great boss fight, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil how you get there in the whole situation. Uh, but everyone started asking. There, there are people, we got messages from people being like, where, who is this in reference to? Like, is this someone's, you know, sort of past lover that you're per- turning into yeah, a boss like, Do you guys murder? know someone named Jessica? Is this a joke about like a particular, there's some movie someone suggested where there's <laughs> right. like a villain named Jessica? Like all these things. And we're like, no, we just literally randomly named Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that you're tying these things together, but... Um, yeah, maybe we should be a little more you know, purposeful. Yeah, the that, whole point but. of the name of that of that boss was like, what would be the, like the furthest possible name from what from like what this boss actually is? Yeah, you know, we're basically saying Jessica's a great name. It's a great name. Yeah, yeah. It's just no. it's nice. It's pl- it sounds pleasant. pleasant. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody seeing a reference that we didn't intend because. Mm-hmm. Frankly, there's no difference between one we intended and one we didn't because they still all that it. matters is a, is the other person's connection to that thing, right? right? Uh, and so, a person playing a game or you know absorbing some piece of some some piece of media is constantly on the lookout for things that they're familiar with, and so people are good pattern recognition machines. They're going to find stuff that they're going to connect with because they think it's related to that. And if the game itself really clearly has so many things that seem to be references to things, if you don't know what it's talking about, but also is done in such a way that you don't feel left out for not knowing because mm-hmm. it's it's so weirdly done that you can kind of breeze right over it, you know, then you just kind of, you get a sense that they're everywhere. And so then of course you're just going to start right. seeing yeah. them, right? And then I think that's, I, th- I actually think it's great because then people are kind of looking for them in and out becomes kind of the, the, the fun part of the puzzle of playing the game and identifying with the people who made it. Mm-hmm. There is one reference now I think about it in Tile Fight. That was a good one, I think. Hmm. It was super obscure, which was before we launched Tile Fight, we were like, we should go to the Touch Arcade forums and just chat with the folks there, right? And it was the night before launch. And so we were there, we're just talking to people and we're just like, yeah, we're just like prepping away because it's our first game that we've launched and we don't know what the fuck we're doing, but thanks for being supportive, you know? And so we're just answering questions about the game. And uh, that same night we were making, Sam was making chili. Mm -hmm. And so we we put a picture of Sam like stirring the chili violently, like with his <laughs> eyes bulging out. And, uh, and then we just put that picture in the thread. We're just like, Oh yeah, we're just making some launch chili, you know, to get ready. Um, and then we just kind of forgot about it. And then in the, then a few weeks later, we started working on the first content patch for towel fight. And uh, the only content, <laughs> we shouldn't have even done that one, but um, we added uh, Tim, the magician, mm-hmm who gives you little spells that last like a like five minute buff. And one of the spells that you can find is launch chili as <laughs> <laughs> like a thing. And it just like what it just like makes you shoot faster yeah, or set so. things on fire. Or yeah. something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so we put launch chili in the game and there must've been like 15 people mm-hmm. in yeah. the whole world who knew what that was. <laughs> but I, but I mean, think to me, those are important when, when uh, you're trying to build a community around a thing that you're making and around sort of a universe that you're building. So it's like an inside joke. Yeah. It's an inside joke. And, and, and those have to be done with care because you don't want to make other people feel left out. Right. So it has to stand on its own. Exactly. If you don't know the, the, joke. the trick is yeah. exactly that. The, the thing has to be amusing already or, or you make a product that, that's so weird anyway, which is all of our games that if you don't understand something, you're just like, it's just the weird. That's game, just another right? weird thing. <laughs> so, 
so both of those can work uh, so that when a person sees it, they don't feel like they're, they're left out. And then for those few, you know, really hardcore fans of the stuff that you make, then again, it's now another personal connection. We're like, oh, I know about this thing. And then you can get excited about the fact that, that we then as a creators, that's for you. You know, mm-hmm. that's for the person who's really paying attention to what we're doing so that they can go get what we're talking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. true. Cool. All right. Well, I think we're out of time. So let's wrap this donkey up. Go to podcast.beastcatcher.net. Vote on stuff. Ask questions. uh, Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and whatever else. And podcasts. Play Betty the Yeti at beastcatcher.io. Yeah. Give us some thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. Some thumbs. Some thumbs. thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) We ended on a real clear note. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.